This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hey y'all, this is Javia Nicole, aka your girl's favorite lesbian, and you're listening to Black Radical Queer Podcast, our stories on our own terms. What I want to do today is actually talk to, uh, talk with really a couple of guests about queerness and visibility is, is the broadest way to, to explain it. I have Charmaine and Jessica with me today. Charmaine is actually my producer, so I'll let her kind of give a little bit more info about that. And, and I won't, I won't reveal who <laughs> Jessica is. I'll let her say who she is for herself. But I'm um, just, I guess, a little bit of background. For me, in, in terms of this particular topic, and I guess why it is, why it's something that I'm interested in and why it's important to me. Of course, since I have like Black Radical Queer, I mean, that's those are identities that uh, are a part of me. And so in terms of my queerness, I mean, I do identify, among other things, I identify as lesbian as well as poly. And but I'm also primarily, not exclusively, but primarily in presenting. Um, so there are some things that come along with that that I know that um, both Charmaine and Jessica can relate to. And so we're going to be really talking about that and then talking about that in some ways that are more specific to them as well. I'll let Charmaine start and go ahead and, you know, give you some information about who she is and then Jessica can do the same. So I am Charmaine. I am the owner operator of Main Hustle Media, the podcast network for POC content. I'm also the host of Militantly Mixed, which is a podcast about race and identity issues from the mixed race perspective. I describe myself as just your average black, Japanese, Irish, English, German, black, Seminole, Native American, Spanish, and Creole, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist woman. That's sort of everything that I kind of consider my identity. I am married to a man, and we have we have shared partners, female partners in the past, both in triads and just, you know, for fun. And then we also date separately from time to time. My friendship with Javia started through a poly platform. We met online in kind of a, a forum type discussion thing, and we realized we had a lot in common, became friends, and now we're partners in the podcast uh podcast world <laughs> that was that was a more than a mouthful <laughs> to to describe but i like that <laughs> i like that you have i like that you have kind of like this this rundown of like okay here are all the things and i'm sure there's there's more but it's kind of like here's the my go-to you know, uh, laundry list of identity <laughs> stuff. Um, as I've gotten a little bit o- older, those were the types of things that I could kind of, uh, as I started to nail down who I was, it started to become a laundry list. And so now that's, that's how I describe myself right now. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I think I think, too, it's important because intersectionality is very real. I mean, we are not just one thing. We're nuanced and we have all these um, uh, concurrent, I guess is the word, identities that um, we have to navigate at the same. You know, we have to navigate simultaneously. So I think it's good to to put that out there um, because it, it gives more of an idea of what our context is our individual context. So I'll let Jessica share her context and her her own laundry list before we kind of launch into this conversation. I'm Jessica, um, and thank you, Javia, for having me. I identify as a lot of things, but I am queer and bisexual and femme presenting. And um, I, in my polyamorous life, have a wonderful husband and a wonderful female partner that I consider my life partners. I 
have a pretty mixed background. I'm German. I'm black. I've got a little bit of Senegalese thrown in there, uh, a lot of Native American. So I'm a woman of color, but I identify as a black woman. And my, um, my focus and my passion has always been mental health. So I spent a lot of time as a therapist working with people of color uh, in the last few years, especially people in the queer community. And I'm just so happy to be here and to talk about these things because they've been things that have always been on my mind, but I really haven't had until recently a space to discuss them in. All right. So um, I wanted for folks to be able to have kind of that backdrop of what your individual context is, you know, as we kind of get into this conversation. So I will, um, I guess, kind of just give a little bit more information from my perspective and then we'll just branch out from there in regards to visibility. Like I mentioned, I am um, primarily film presenting. So I, you know, came out probably around when I was maybe 14 years old. I mean, I, I recognized before then that I like had attraction to at the time girls because I was a girl, you know, I wasn't grown, but attraction to girls. And but at the time, I mean, I didn't I didn't have a, any kind of conceptualization of what gay was, what queer was, what lesbian was, what homosexual, like none of those things. I just knew that. I mean, when I like what I would play with other kids like I'm like okay I'll play with boys and girls but I just felt different when it came to girls I had crushes on girls I had like my first like first kiss and all that kind of stuff was girls and there was like nothing abnormal or anything like that to me I just was like this is just kind of is what it is and then as I got older and you know my worldview expanded and I had more of a broader understanding of kind of how the world worked that's when I started to understand that oh this actually isn't really looked at in a good way. Like this is abnormal. So because prior to that, I didn't feel the need to come out. I didn't know coming out was a thing. I just knew who I was. Like I knew that, oh, I have a crush on this girl in my class or something. But beyond that, I honestly did not think of it any greater than that. Once I understood like, oh, this is something deviant, um, that I'm different in this way, then I was like, oh man, I really need to once I figured out like what coming out was and all this other kind of stuff, I came out. And when I came out, I actually was, an, I was kind of like in between, like I, I, my presentation, my gender presentation, I guess you can say, or gender expression was pretty in the middle. Like I, sometimes I was more masculine presenting and sometimes I was more femme presenting and it went back and forth. And really a lot of times it's more heavily leaning toward the masculine side. And so I recognized like the the attention and stuff that I got in that presentation. And so it was, I was approached more by girls and all that kind of stuff uh, when I presented that way. However, when my presentation was more, more girly, it's not like I ceased to like girls, (laughs) but I definitely was not approached, uh, approached as much if at all. And, and, but I also recognized like I didn't have a way, there was no marker um, because, you know, that masculine presentation was like a marker for something. It didn't mean that every girl, masculine presenting girl was like, you know, queer, but that was still a marker for the possibility versus with femme presentation. There's the assumed straightness because uh, like, how could you be any other way? So so I just really like noticed the difference. And it was also just hard for me kind of like identifying other queer femme women, even though I was like definitely attracted to femme women. I'm just like, I don't know, you know, if <laughs> she you know has that interest. And and, I, and I'm assuming, you know, definitely they felt the same way. So there was kind of that just not knowing in addition to 
the assumption that assumed heterosexuality just from the outside world. Like if this is your presentation, then obviously clearly you're straight versus if you're if you have like a masculine presentation, even if you are straight, it's like, oh, no, like clearly, you you know, some's a little, you know, uh, different or whatever about you. So that's when I really started to understand that, like this presentation were markers for things like that masculine presentation was a marker for something and an identifier in my film presentation, um, there was an erasure or an invisibility that came along with it in relation to my queerness. I It was like, oh, well, I guess I'm less queer um, because this is because of who I am. Um, and so I rejected for a while. I rejected uh, the femme label. Um, it wasn't until like really my adulthood that I embraced it. Like now I will say I am femme, but um, I wouldn't say that because I felt like it limited me um in my queerness so um so that's kind of like my i guess issue so that was always the thing like i've always been i mean i'm attracted to a spectrum of women so masculine presenting femme presenting uh versatile like you know switch it up every day of the week i don't care it's just if i'm attracted to you i'm attracted to you um it like that the presentation doesn't dictate it i'm not more attracted to a specific presentation i'm just like no i give me all the options (laughs) like i'm here for it all um so yeah that's but i mean it it definitely uh how you're identified and like you're how visible or invisible you are definitely is marked kind of by that presentation so i wonder just kind of in you all, as you kind of came into your 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 queer identity, did you kind of was your presentation always the same? Did you notice like that there was any type of um, like a lack of visibility? Did you feel like, oh, well, I'm seen as less queer because I'm femme? Like, you know, that kind of thing of assumed heterosexuality, because that was always the thing. It's like the default. Straight is the default. So it's like, oh, yeah, Yeah. clearly you're straight. (laughs) Right. Yeah. For me, like I've always been consistent in terms of my presentation. I never really officially came out, came out as as bisexual. I just spoke from that perspective and people kind of figured it out. I did sort of hide it from my family just because of the the complications of family and uh, on the Japanese side, which is the, the side of the family I was living with at the time that I started to come into my realization. Of, of my bisexuality. I So I would say that I never liked the term femme. I never liked, but I knew I wasn't masculine presenting. I'm not girly by any stretch of the imagination, but if but I can dress up if I have to. It just feels like drag <laughs> when I do. So for me, the coming out portion of it was my very first girl crush was I was 14. I didn't understand that that was like a sexual or romantic crush, even, even as I was fantasizing about her. She was just a, a girl I went to high school with. In fact, I don't even know her name. I can still picture her. She had she was sort of a Afro-Latina look and she had curly hair that was wild. And that was just everything that I thought was attractive at the time. I thought actually that it was what I wanted to be. I wasn't making the connection that I was actually attracted to her because mm, I understood gayness. I didn't understand lesbians were a thing. Um, I grew up around like hair shows. My mom was a hairstylist. So I grew up around hair shows and gay guys all over the place and drag queens. I understood that men could be gay. I did not understand that women could be gay until I was, uh, you know, getting up there a little bit in my teenage years. So my first crush, I see this girl, I think she's amazingly beautiful. And because I had my own mixed race identity issues of um, sort of being black, but presenting ambiguously Asian Latin, I thought when I saw her, I wanted to be her, but I would have sex dreams about her and it didn't make sense to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, so I, oh, that makes things a little complicated. <laughs> yeah, like I was already sexually active with, with men or boys, I guess, but I didn't understand. I didn't get it. And then as I got further into high school, people started to accuse me, and I say accuse on purpose of being bisexual. Oh my gosh. Um, I had I, yeah, I, that happened to me too. Somebody told me, somebody was yeah. like, um, Flavia, you're gay. And I'm like, you should. <laughs> okay. like, I'm not really. So yeah, it's a, that type of thing. It's like you're, I actually had a reputation, which I don't even know how, because at the time I wasn't fucking anybody, but I had the reputation of being a bisexual <laughs> sadomasochist. And I'm like, do we even wait, understand what that wait, is? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that pretty so serious, cool. right? And like, I'm thinking, we're 15, 16, like, what do we know about this? Like, you right, know. it's just like, how did, first of all, it's like, why, it's like, what is going on in their lives that they even had that to add to the mix? You know, you know that's what? high school. It's like, you know what? We think that this is a part two. Like, I, I mean, I definitely <laughs> have people told me, oh, like, you're gay. And I, before I knew what kind of gay was or lesbian was, and she was like, um, yeah, you're gay. And I was like, I didn't deny it. I was just like, hmm, I had honestly never considered it. <laughs> I just was like, yeah. Huh. I mean, okay. in t- terms of when I was coming up in the 80s and 90s, lesbian visibility was pretty small in comparison to what it is now, I think. So if you are a girl trying to figure out why you are fantasizing about other women and at that time, and you're not seeing it in TV or representation at all, even Pride was so limited, I think, at the time. I remember Pride singing yeah. like a gay male, male festival. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, women were invisible unless they were men in drag and then in that case women were glorious but we always understood that that glorious woman had a penis um, mm. You know, and since trans wasn't being very talked about at the time or whatever, I just thought I was weird, but I was okay because I felt like I'm weird anyway. I'm, you know, I'm a yellow looking girl who identifies as black. I I got that I was weird. It took it took really until about 16, 17 until I started saying, oh, no, no, I want to fuck women. <laughs> like, I want this. <laughs> I just didn't know how to like, tell anybody. I want to be her. I want it, to be with her in I want to be with her. Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend um, too that I became close to, and it's funny because in high school I started to figure out she was gay. She didn't know, but I was still oh dealing God. with trying to figure out what I was. And I had the hots for her, but I didn't get it. We were such close friends. I was like, no, it's like a friend crush, you know. Da da da. Now, mm-hmm. all these years later, I'm no longer attracted to her. We're still friends, but I'm no longer attracted to her. But I'm mad that she didn't figure out she was gay until later because we could have been fucking all through high school, and it would have been. Awesome. <laughs> you know but by the time she figured wow. it out we okay. had already moved on in terms of like, like well if you had figured that out in time um right? I've, had, <laughs> I've had this talk to her too i'm like man if you had just listened to me because i did i kind of said it to her once i think we were i think i was 17 or so and i was like do you like girls and she's like yeah girls are all right you know you know whatever and, stuff. <laughs> and then i realized she didn't get what i was saying and she kept wow. picking these effeminate boyfriends and i was like these dudes aren't dudes you know when you're talking in like 1990s context of gender right I'm like, these dudes you're picking are dudes. They're soft, you know, they're emotional, they're delicate. You don't want to have sex with them. So I'm thinking maybe you need to explore something. But here I am giving advice to somebody about what they're going through while not really dealing with what I was going through. And it really took until I was about 18, 19 before I was like, I get it now. I'm ready to start looking for 
a female partner. And I, um, by the time I actually got a chance to have sex with a woman for the first time, I was 21 and I was just like, she was ugly. I wasn't very attracted to her, but we hung out for a class and I was like, yeah, you'll do. I just need to get this out of my ass. <laughs> to get one oh off. My God. <laughs> um, so, oh, Lord. So I actually entered into my very first female relationship was as a third to a couple because I was so desperate to fuck a girl. I was willing to take the couple as a whole just to get that chance because mm. it was the first thing that had become yeah, that's a whole other that's a whole other, a whole other topic <laughs> but it, it is what helped me finally understand oh I am properly bisexual I I, I evenly find women <laughs> attractive although I tend to prefer men in relationships and women I probably sexualize more than men in general I would say that that yeah I would say that's right. <laughs> All right. So, Justin, I guess it's, it's your turn to <laughs> to add on. So, for me, my experience was a little bit different. Um, I knew as, when, as soon as I started, I guess, conceptualizing as a child, attraction and, like, the way that kids think about it. My Barbies always had girlfriends. Ken was, like, kind of on the side. And, uh... was watching or something. I I never had a Ken. Look, I had, like, Barbies, like, you know, that I rarely played with, but Ken was just, like, not a presence. I was like, well, uh, people gave me Ken's, but yeah, <laughs> so just in my play, um, I just kind of naturally fell into place that way. And I never really thought about it. I grew, I had kind of an interesting, um, childhood. I grew up bouncing around a lot. I had a single parent and, um, my family's very blended. I have had a Latino, a Latina and a white stepmother. My mom is biracial and she's mm. also in, in and she's German and she's black. So I had a lot of different cultures around me and a lot of different concepts and perceptions of sexual orientation, race. It was just like a nice, chaotic situation all the time in my home. So I um, didn't have a lot of like clear cut opinions around me about what was the right thing, um, because there were a lot of other things going on in my childhood. So I think around fifth grade, I figured out I had my first girl crush, and which was kind of rare and awesome. We liked each other. We didn't ever verbalize that. But when we hung out, it was definitely in a romantic way, like she was my girlfriend. Um, I have never really officially come out. And at that point, especially in fifth grade, I wasn't even thinking about coming out. But I do remember that was the first time I also learned that it was wrong. We hung out a lot and she was my first kiss. And I remember we were at school and I think people started to figure out that maybe our relationship wasn't just friends and um, people started to make fun of me. And that's when I realized there was something wrong with liking girls. And from then so on, how did they very- figure it out? Like you said that it was it, it wasn't really like verbalized, but it was romantic. So how in, in fifth grade world, like how did that manifest? I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Um, but I'm, a, I'm my assumption is that the way that we engaged um, as kids, just kind of like kids who are straight, have their little girlfriend, boyfriend relationships, something wasn't fitting with the way we were interacting to the rest of our classmates. Something fell off. Um, and I don't even know what prompted someone to suggest that kind of like Charmaine with the sadomasochist thing. I feel like in fifth grade, it was interesting to me that that became an accusation that people caught on to and then bullied us. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was difficult and I wasn't devastated by it, but I did learn very quickly. This is not okay to share. 
Um, so kind of for right. the remainder of my school days, I had a lot of friends. Actually, my first boyfriend in middle school ended up coming out as gay later. Um, and I, I was in the South during all this. I was in Georgia. So, you know, some interesting perceptions happen here. But I remember a lot of my friends coming out and losing friends, being made fun of, being beat up in school, in middle school and high school. Um, even with my sixth grade boyfriend, when he came out in high school, people accused me of turning him gay just a lot of negativity and I decided because of that to stay closeted um but it's so never- it's so interesting to me though because um you know of kind of like having this of course like very natural attract you know attraction kind of thing because of course when I was like growing up you know like you play you play house you play doctor you all that kind of stuff I, that was it was always like me as a little girl and little girls like I and I didn't think of anything of it so growing up I always had that like my, my crushes and all that kind of thing were always on girls um not like it was never boys but it was just predominantly it was like overwhelmingly girls and I didn't think anything of it until it became a situation of somebody um uh, saying something was wrong, you know, it being kind of, it's like yeah. a bad thing. You know what I mean? Because before then I'm like, this is just how I feel. I didn't even think about it. Like, Oh, everybody, like all the other girls, like boys and I like, girls. no, it was just like, I had no concept of that at all. It was just that it just was what it was until it was a problem. Like until someone pointed out that like, Oh, ill, that's nasty. Or that's not, you know, how it's supposed to be or um, those kind of things. And I was a tomboy. So, um, you know, it was like, oh, you look like a little boy and um, all the kind of stuff. So it was when when it became less accepted, like, because at a certain point you're expected to. It's like, OK, that that tomboy, tomboy stuff and like playing in the dirt and blah, blah, that's all cool and fine. Now, like you're getting you're at like puberty age and stuff that ain't cute no more you're supposed to be growing so it was like that um, you know me just being like tomboyish because I was never a girly girl um I was always even no, no matter what my presentation was I was yeah. always tomboyish but it was like that like oh you know you're not performing femininity correctly on top of oh you know that's there's this you know this attraction that you have is not okay or like oh you seem to you know like girls or whatever um even though I didn't know you know what gay was so it's like it's just interesting to me that that's when it comes up is that oh this is a bad thing like you're just living your little happy black queer young life and then somebody's like mm-hmm. oh you and First this little girl have this weird you know what I mean like that's, <laughs> but, that's so crazy but also and it, did you feel that you could hide it a little because little girls could hold hands and play and stuff like that I mean I'm, I'm surprised Jessica for you that years at fifth grade you're you're getting that kind of weirdness right I felt like I remember holding my little friend's hands for a long time and it just being like that's what girls did and I think yeah it's like girls can definitely be more fusion. intimate yeah. you know but I mean well I because I was tomboyish no <laughs> it was like yeah that's what maybe made that it. yeah but, and I I'm mean, oh, sorry go ahead no I was just I was that was it I was just saying like for me since I was tomboyish and that added that other element to it where it's like if I was girly then that's kind of I guess it could be ignored a little bit longer but not this little rough girl <laughs> like it's like oh no mm-mm. like she is acting like a little boy and she is kind of having these type of friendships with little girls type of thing mm-hmm. I feel like 
Um, the reason that it was so noticed was the context of where I was living. I lived in um, Decatur, city of Decatur at the time in Georgia, which is pretty um, liberal because there is a women's college in city of Decatur. There was a lot of professors. And I do know that one of my friends in fifth grade, his, he had um, two moms. There was a lesbian couple that had children in our neighborhood. So a lot of us in our little fifth grade community were aware, I think more so than a lot of fifth graders might have been about certain things because we had some pretty liberal thinking parents. That doesn't mean that their perceptions of things were um, kind, but kids knew more than I think most children would know at that age. So they picked up on it, especially because we had a kid in our class with moms who identified as lesbian. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that I don't know if it started with him or it was just because a lot of us knew his parents that that's where it stemmed from. And it just became um, it just became very hostile. So like I was saying, like high school, middle school, I kind of kept it. uh, I I was certainly attracted to some different girls throughout then, but I only dated boys. And I remember the only person that I ever knew who was bisexual when I was a child came out at my high school and had the same experience. She was actually really fetishized afterwards, and she was harassed a lot by the other boys. She was um, younger than me. She was a sophomore, and I was a junior at the time. And that scared me, too, um, because I had had a few other incidents in high school where people had accused me of being gay. And uh, I dealt with a lot of racial issues, too. Being a a mixed black girl, people feeling like I wasn't black enough. So I was really just trying to stay under under the radar and not be a part of all of the drama in my high school. So I didn't really start to try to come out to people until college. And being femme presenting, I really struggled with, one, feeling like I was kind of stifled throughout that age where you start dating and like fantasizing and want to hook up with people. I really wanted to be with women, but I didn't know how to safely do that um, because of the area I grew up in and the things I had seen, I didn't feel comfortable coming out. And I didn't think it was fair that I had to come out. I've always had the thought that like straight people don't come out. Why do I have to announce myself? But that, that conflicts with the fact that, well, I'm femme presenting. So if I don't announce myself, how will people know I like them without me having to throw myself out there and get rejected Mm -hmm. by a straight woman? So I spent a lot of time just very, um, I, I'll say angsty that I just, you know, was in college and really wanted to, was ready to come out. Tried to a few times to some people. They didn't believe me, which is really um, hard. That's like, a right something. there. And yeah. I, yeah, there was actually all story time. I was at a, a gay club and I was like, oh, I was on a um, trip for a research team I was on. And we were at a gay, a gay club. And not everybody who went with us, um, I don't know how they all identified, but I had mentioned that I wasn't straight and they laughed at me and they were like, yeah, right. And <laughs> it was just like those type of incidents. It's like, what do you say to prove your yourself to people? And you and definitely it just, shouldn't have to. Like, how is somebody else going to tell you your own identity? Like, if you're like, I identify this way. And you're like, nah, what? Right. You're like, that's cute. <laughs> and that's where the fetishizing, I think, comes in, because then it's like, prove it. Kiss this girl in front of mm-hmm, us or mm-hmm. something like that. And and you're just like, why do I have to do any of this? I think that's right, why I like, made an effort to not come out. Yeah. So why it's such a hard thing to conceptualize, though, is because of that, that erasure. Like, there's no way. Like, look at you. You know, there's no way that you could be. But that's so ridiculous. But it's, it's just classic um, erasure. Like, oh, no, obviously, clearly straight like what are you talking about right like straight people don't believe you the gay women don't believe you or they have a which is a whole different topic they have an issue with bisexual women so yeah, I it just 
Lord. Yeah. I, it got to the point <laughs> where I really wanted to, It is. Like, there's so much that comes with it. And I just ended up dating a lot of men. And I'll say that I always make a joke that I'm like 99% lesbian. So <laughs> it just felt very isolating from a dating perspective and romance, but also from a social perspective. When things like Pulse happened, I really wanted to be a part of, like, just, just be a part. And a lot of people see me, especially now that I'm married to a man as a straight woman. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't want to insert myself and feel like it's inappropriate because I'm trying to be like, I am, you know, I'm queer too, because I don't feel like it's appropriate in that context. But it is, it's hard. It's hard in all aspects of my life to not, to feel like I have to announce myself to be myself. That's been my biggest struggle with my bisexuality is right. because I'm femme presenting. I feel like if I'm attracted to someone or I just want to share a part of me, I have to be like, hi, my name is Jessica and I'm a bisexual. I can't just and be. Like, hi Jessica. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, if I feel the same way since my last encounter. <laughs> right. I feel the same way because in my case, I had had a huge gap between the last inner um, relationship I had with a woman to the next inner relationship I had with a woman, and then on top of it, being married to a man during that time, it's like, well, you've you've either given up your bisexuality because you've now married to a man, and so that you know. Marriage. So in that case, I had to come out as poly for sure. But I never really came out as bisexual. Like now I just talk about it. So it's just like, that's just you figure it out. But I never had that moment that sit down and be like, here world, this is what I am. I did have it for, for the poly thing. But what I hated was that I because the type of women I'm attracted to are, you know, on the femme side, then it was like, well, then you're not really gay because gay women are masculine. Like, well, no, that's a type. That's like, um, it, like it takes that, that's patriarchy because it takes mm -hmm. masculinity to validate things. Right. There has to um, be some male so energy. Right, exactly. So they're like, oh, if, if masculinity is not involved in some capacity, um, then it's less valid. And that, that contributes to the erasure too because it's like, you know, I can, if, let's say, if you know Jessica and I are like walking down the street or something and we can or even okay like with with my wife we can be out and about and the way that people perceive us like they'll be like oh that must be your sister now you both know my wife we don't look anything alike okay <laughs> we were both black <laughs> like we don't look anything alike but it's like this whole idea of like oh there's no way that you all could be involved with each other in this capacity oh that must be your sister oh that must be your cousin like no that is my whole wife. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, and um, who announces so that anyway? They don't right, think that colorism. Think that, exactly. There's but I don't so think much that loaded we, in there. Right. But we don't present, like, when we interact with each other, I'm like, okay, clearly this is not my my relative in that capacity. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not interacting with my sister this way. I'm not interacting with my cousin this way. Like, right. are you kidding? So yeah, it's that whole thing about, um, you know, you. It, it's it's not it's less valid or whatever like it's just an automatic like oh you must be you know anything but <laughs> a romantic you know romantically involved so there's that assumption too for me the thing that i find frustrating is because i i think of myself as sort of masculine mentality although not masculine i also think of myself as a dominant personality although not a dom i tend mm -hmm. to be attracted to a feminine female and masculine male so like for me i have like a sort of a gender coding way of attraction like um it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if the person is is trans or cis if they're if they're a man they have to 
appear and seem and behave as a man. And if they're a woman, they have to appear and seem and behave as a woman, regardless of whether they're cis or trans. That part doesn't impact me. But because I am sort of, I look femme, but I'm not girly. I think sort of masculinely. So I, 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 I guess I don't want to say I play that role, but when I'm when I'm in a relationship with a woman, I do think of myself in, in terms of the what would be assigned to masculinity, the opening of the door, mm-hmm, paying mm-hmm. for the food, the you know the things that would be gendered towards male, even though I'm right. not. Um, so I feel like even more so, I become I'm this weird thing even within the bisexual world in that I don't really switch between a femme behavior or masculine behavior. I just am this way. Right. I'm not so masculine that I'm a tomboy. Like you would never guess that I was a tomboy or anything like that from from interacting with me because I'm not. But I'm just not girly. Yeah, but I like girls girly. that are. So right. You know, so I get this weird thing. Just actually had a conversation about that, though, because I was telling her because that's that's me. Like, I'm not um, even though I sometimes I am definitely like masculine presenting. So I, I kind of run a little bit more of the spectrum with my presentation. But my mentality is very is very similar. Like, I'm not girly. Um, even no matter what my presentation is, I can be what I call high femme. It's like if I have to dress it up and do the pinup girl thing, I can absolutely do that. It's not a problem. But my just who I am as a person, like I'm not my personality and all that. My demeanor is not girly girl. But Jessica and I were talking about that because I do tend to I mean, I'm dominant, so I do kind of fall into that role. Um, but then it has been interesting because then I get boxed in, which was like a, a lot of my experience with them women was like being boxed into that that masculine role. Um, and I I called it like a pseudo male. Like I, I said, I was like treated like a pseudo boyfriend where I'm like, OK, well, I am still a woman. I'm not and I'm not trying to be like a man or anything like that. So I don't want to be treated like some kind of like pseudo hyper-masculine, you know, type of thing, just kind of boxed it in and, and left there. Um, interesting to me, but I do tend to play that role um, in my, in when I engage with femme women, not just, I won't just say femme women, mostly femme women, but um, I, from my experience, the most of the partners that I've had, because I've had a pretty even amount of like femme and masculine presenting partners, but my masculine presenting partners, not um, in entirety, but like when I look at the numbers overall, have been more um, kind of like accommodating of my nuance. Um, and my wife is like, girl, whatever, you know, however you wrap it up, talking about I don't care. Like I'm a I'm a rock with you if you're if we both out here looking real masculine. If you're looking real femme, I don't care. I'm all for it. But when I've had femme partners, um, for the most part, they wanted me to kind of like stay in that kind of more masculine box um, right. and not be super like even with my presentation, kind of like, OK, don't don't kind of get too far over here into like the girly girl. Even Like if, if I'm going to appear that way, like with the just my attire and makeup, and all kind of stuff, they kind of they're like, that's my lane. You know, you kind of stay more so in that middle ground or that like more masculine side of things. Mm. And that yeah, just makes weird. me think about like the policing we do to ourselves. Yeah. And I mean, different strokes for different folks. I get it. You know, some people want that, but you can't place that on your partner. And I feel like we have adopted in the queer community a lot of the same problems that we're faced with outside of ourselves. Because right. to, to tell your partner, oh, you're getting too much into this lane. Well, that's who they are. So, you don't just like right. straight people don't get to police us. They don't get to police you for deciding to look a certain, you know, you want to wear a dress. You can wear a dress or. But it's a binary, you know, so it's still even in queer relationships, like 
there's still a lot of adhering to that binary. Um, and it's like, it's one thing if that's what you agreed to, because some folks that does absolutely work, um, that, you know, um, that very, that kind of more binary thing, but that's not the case for everybody. Um, but it's like, in my situation, it was just people trying to kind of like push me into that. Bi- and sometimes I do fit it. Like sometimes I do fit the binary, but that's not my entirety. So that's when it became an issue when it was like, okay, I know that, you know, you're, I know that kind of like you enjoy engaging with me when I'm looking more boyish or when I'm more tomboyish, even if I'm like just like jeans and a t-shirt or a basketball short, like if it's, you know, kind of in the middle of my boyish. And then there seems to be this discomfort if I'm like looking more feminine. I mean, it, it may appear to be more girly. I'm still my regular not girly self because I'm just not girly, but the presentation. So that's just interesting to me because that's something that Jessica and I had talked about before, just like in my, so there is, it's kind of like uh, that the issue of visibility and erasure externally and internally. So externally, you're both women, you're both women, you're dismissed. (laughs) Like, you know, there's no way that this could be anything valid or meaningful unless there is some type of even if even if a partner is masculine. I mean, my wife is masculine of center. But even that is like you're still both women like that gives it a little bit more validity, but but barely, you know, not (laughs) it's, it's nothing to like, you know, write home about. So that's that external. And then internally, it's like. Oh, well, you know, we have we have to fit into like this, this binary type of thing or like you have to stay in this lane for me to feel. Uh, and, and I don't know, I guess for them, it was more so I, I feel like, well, depending on the person, like I know, like one person in particular just felt kind of like threatened, like like her femininity was threatened by me. It was just a lot. I'm just like, OK, this is a lot of baggage. <laughs> that I so she's carrying a lot. Right, yeah. Yeah. My yeah. ex was what I refer to as the high maintenance version of girly whereas but she could be my version too and I don't know how to classify mine I kind of look at it like this like if if my ideal relationship style is a triad and I have my masculine husband and a feminine girlfriend or wife however that ends up shaking out I am the one that wears slacks and a nice shirt like so so I'm like I'm I'm like kind of molding the two things together so it's like I'm the happy medium. So I, right. I, I like to think of myself as sort of the center of that triangle and that I'm mirroring both sides because I'm not super masculine. I'm not super feminine. You're I'm somewhere in the middle. Extreme. And with yeah. the ex, like she she could get herself all done up and she would take, you know, two, three hours to get ready. And, and that's when I start to get like, oh, man, I wish I was with someone more like me because the exhaustion of that high maintenance-ness. <laughs> but then when she could go days of just being regular, you know, T-shirts and jeans and and just being whatever, then it was like, oh, okay, this is comfortable. This is this is cool. So I guess I'm probably sort of attracted to someone more similar to to me in that sort of behavior. Although I like when they dress up and look nice and all that kind of stuff and present. I just don't want to have to go through it myself. I feel like I'm in drag every time I put makeup on, which I don't wear very often. <laughs> and luckily, my husband is is you know he is a feminist and he's a philosopher and things like that, and he doesn't expect or or want traditional gender roles. Although he will not. He's not effeminate in any way, and he doesn't want to, to, I would say, maybe be accused of that in any way. But he's he's gentler in ways that, you know, the typical masculine male is. He's more open to it. Mm-hmm. If I wear makeup, he looks at me like, but that's not really you. Um, you know, so like I appreciate having that that male partner that uh, one does not fetishize my bisexuality. I mean, like any like any man or or maybe people like us, he's open to group sex and things like that. He's and uh, enjoys it and appreciates it, but it's not the reason why we're in this poly t- 
type of relationship and it's not the reason right. why we even want a triad we really I mean it's mostly for the balance of the household we don't have you know we have particular roles that we play and what we don't have is a domestic role and our ex-girlfriend was right. a domestic type of person so she balanced what we were missing I was the breadwinner she was the domestic and he picked shit off of high shelves I don't know um, <laughs> so like, like we there's there's a sort of for me there's a sort of balance in the three but we just haven't had right. a successful version of that yet um, but I appreciate having a male partner that doesn't fetishize my bisexuality um, what's fun about us is that we both turn our heads when we see an attractive woman and one he doesn't get yelled at you know because he doesn't have a straight my husband that's just loves like, that too you know yeah it's like it's a, it's a part of the bond it's you know it's a right like a camaraderie it's like you know he is attractive mm-hmm. he, he cast a way wider net than I do I will tell you that um, there's times when he'll point out someone and I'm like her but um, but like when we do find someone that's attractive to both of us and we both turn our head then now we have something we get to chat about for a few minutes and you know it just right. it strengthens that, that thing so I never have to worry that my husband is with me because of the women that I could bring home right. or anything like that where I have I won't say that I had partners I had a kind of a male partner partner that we sort of uh, messed around for a period of time and he enjoyed that part he would be like oh go dance up on her or go go do this or mm. do that and I'm like mm, that's yeah, not yeah, that's no. not what we're doing here so right this is not yeah. what yeah yeah so, so I, what about I recruiter right exactly <laughs> right exactly yeah. so what about um in your experience Jessica with your husband um I would say that we have a semi-similar experience. We tried to do triad stuff and we kind of both figured out that we wanted to live a poly lifestyle. And it's very interesting to me, but he always told me that he wanted to marry a bisexual woman, which is very specific and not very common in men, but not for the reasons you would think. Um, he just really wanted to be with someone kind of how you were referencing Charmaine of like having that those shared moments um, and being yeah. comfortable and then finding balance in our relationship. And we did try the triad thing. And I'll say that I think for us, we decided that after a certain amount of fails, it just wasn't a good fit because my biggest thing and him too is transparency. And we just ran into a lot of people who would say they wanted something right. and they, you know, either weren't really attracted to him or because it wasn't a necessity that they were this specific type of person. But like we mm-hmm. had someone that um, was lesbian and we were fine with that. We just wanted her and my husband to be able to be friends, but she didn't really want a friendship with him. She just wanted a relationship with me. So just things like that. We decided we'd be better if we dated separately. And that's been great for us. I think that we're stronger that way. We support each other as friends in our other relationship and we support each other in our own relationship as partners. And he's very comfortable with who I am. And he's in no way very feminine or anything, but he's very open to like sharing different roles, whether or not their gender to be more of his role or mine. And then we try to support each other's out outside relationships. So it's been smooth. In the past, when I've tried to date men and I've also come out to them, I either feel like I'm fetishized and kind of used as a recruiter or mm-hmm. they started out that way and then they get scared and they feel threatened and they think that I'm being unfaithful with anybody walking down the street. I can't hang out with my friends. I can't, right. What, no matter the gender. That's there's always yeah, Oh yeah. Um, so I was very happy when I found my husband and 
I feel like, you know, there's still bumps in the road with it, but we understand each other's wants. So polyamory for me, I feel like has been a lot more, once we figured out what we wanted, we tried the swinging and everything else. When I figured out I was polyamorous and how it, I identified as polyamorous, that's been very smooth for me. It's been a very, there's a, I'll say that I feel like I have had to work to find more people of color who identify that way. Because when yes. I first entered the community, it was a lot of white people, which I don't have an issue with. I'm mixed anyways, but I'm a lot more attracted to women of color. Um, and I'm not Same. interested in, like I said, my one percent's taken by my husband. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in any other men. So, um, <laughs> you like, uh, that quote that is him. filled. I'm with so you on I, that. I find yeah. that the, the introduction to poly, especially white Ooh. poly, is so drastically different from oh, yeah. uh, POC Absolutely. poly. And that's a um, whole nother experience to like swim. It's through. because the cultural, because right. you, you know, everything has to be situated within a, that's, which is like the whole reason why, like with, with Black Radical Queer, where I was like, okay, that's exactly why it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Because our experiences are literally colored by our, you know, us being by black. Our color. Like, <laughs> right. And so, it's a double fetish um, when you are a black or woman right. of color who's also mm-hmm. poly in those communities. You're like, right. well, a unicorn, well, but a you're like the tiniest. Well, no, it is. But it is like a unicorn thing because when you add in bisexual and then you have people who are like they're seeking that, then it does become like a unicorn situation where it's like you're you're black, you're poly, you're bi, like. Oh my God, you know, all these boxes, um, right. All this, right. Exactly. But there's also the thing of like, you're expected as a bisexual to just be attracted to everyone. You can't, you can't have, um, nuance in what you're attracted to. So like our ex, she seemed to be more attracted to my husband than me. In the beginning, she was interested in the gayness part, um, but only publicly, it seemed she was more excited about the public display of gayness between the two of us. Mm. But in and private, that it was another thing. Of those it's a whole other thing. Yeah. Know. Like, oh, and, I, yeah. it made me it's feel small in the relationship because I, I could tell what she was really there for was my husband. And I was kind of in the way over mm. time, not initially, but mm. over time, it was clear that in their relationship, I was in the way um, and it wasn't an even equilateral triangle situation. But in public, she wanted to display more with me. And that isn't how I live my life. I don't right. need the public display of gayness or straightness right. or anything like and that. I really relate to the struggle, but you can't use people for that. Visibility is hard being bisexual, especially presenting, but you, there's, it's a very delicate way that you have to like find some validity, but also not put yourself on, like, you're going to the other extreme when you make yourself a show pony like you, right. you have to find some type yeah. of middle ground. and then too that's a little like some exoticism fetishism type mm-hmm. stuff to me too if it's like well i want to be visibly and I've, I've had that experience before too of like being with someone who when we were out and about she like she wanted to be it wasn't just like pda you know like I just, and I was like also the first woman she had ever been with, with, I mean, I'm like, why am I always the first? But anyway, I was the first yeah, one she had Yeah, don't get me started. With. And so she um, wanted to have that like hyper visibility. And I really just ultimately felt like it was like kind of like a, a fetishism type of thing. Like, oh, look, I'm with a woman. Oh, look, I'm with a woman. It, it, I don't think it, I think it ultimately stopped being about me specifically and me as a person in our relationship and more so about look at me, look at me, look at me, like an accessory. Like I became an accessory 
Um, mm-hmm. And I can't That's even right. say it was about visibility of her queerness. I just think it was visibility of ooh, I'm with the woman. Like I don't know, it didn't feel the, it didn't feel the same of like ooh, I am a queer woman and I need that validation. It literally felt like I am an accessory. Yeah, the validation is interesting because for me, I can walk down the street, gay or straight, and it does not matter. I I am not impacted by someone's view of my gayness or my straightness. I right. I went through a lot of period of time of feeling not gay enough, or you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm saying the term gay struggle. versus queer because I never I kind of missed that uh, like the queerness didn't start being a thing until after I had already kind of come into my own so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't I don't have queer as a terminology for me specifically although I'm trying right. to learn to adopt it but but from my perspective I wasn't gay enough or straight enough and I I so in gay spaces I felt weird because I had a husband I think Jessica you were kind of saying a little bit like that and then in straight spaces I was entirely straight. Like I didn't have to let people know I could hide in this kind of straight privilege and I'm uncomfortable hiding in privilege of any kind, both as a mixed race person and as a as person on the gay spectrum. I don't I I don't need to be seen all the time, but I need to not be denied when I when I put it out there. So if I'm mixed race, I'm I'm black. I know I look yellow, but I'm black. I was raised black. I'm black. You know, my dad was black. My mom was was Asian. I feel I have a hierarchy in terms of how I identify. I identify first as black and then as Asian and then as a black mixed Asian. I understand that on the on the um, on the sexuality side, I am I am just so in the middle. Like, yes, I'm in with a man and I've been with him for 18 years. He was my best friend for years before we ever got together. We have this very complicated mix of relationship of friendship and married partners and you know poly partners and all this other kind of stuff we have a lot going on in our relationship but I don't need to be straight to be with him I don't need him you know and he doesn't need to 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 tell people oh this is my straight wife you know he doesn't have to right. necessarily expose me as bisexual but he he's not uncomfortable by me being out or you know outwardly thing but he also won't let somebody try to fetishize me when people do try right. to be like oh dude you're so lucky especially when we were with our ex-girlfriend oh dude you're the lucky dude on earth you know he would be like he would instantly stop them and say what about them why do you think i'm more lucky because they get two partners too and in for me best of both worlds i get to explore all sides of my sexuality with these two people and she does as well and and he gets to learn a little bit more about his sexuality through us as well but for some reason people always congratulated him and patted him on the back Mm -hmm. for having the triad and we were invisible we were we were we were a quintessential essential part of it and yet invisible as women Our in that relationship. Yeah. Y'all um, like trophy. And so we made efforts yeah. like to sometimes walk where one of the one of us were in the middle versus him in the middle so that it didn't necessarily mean he was the center of the relationship because publicly that seemed to be a very important thing. And it was sort of accidental. It was, you know, we kind of started out that way and then and then realized like publicly it might not be the best message to put forward when we're all three holding hands as we're walking down the street or something like that. So I think uh, having a having a straight male partner that is uh, very open-minded and and comfortable and not a fetishizer in that respect has been really helpful. But at the same well, time, right. I put myself in a gay space and I'm like, ugh, I got this husband here. <laughs> so, you know, so, it's a mixed bag. I can relate to bag. that. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. So I was going to ask, like, I guess for your take, because you're saying, um, you feel similarly in terms of with the visibility when it comes to your husband. So like, how, how do you navigate that? Like when it's you two or when 
you know, like, how do you feel now? Your like, has your visibility evolved or anything like that? <sighs> it's kind of tough for me. Uh, sadly, I feel like as much as I've internally evolved about it, externally, it hasn't. I definitely feel the privilege of being straight presenting when I'm with my husband. Even if I'm in queer spaces, people assume I'm straight. And I, I'm i aware of that privilege. And it's difficult for me because I feel it's sometimes like I'm, you know, being pushed out of a community that I want the support from. And then when I want to support mm-hmm. the community, I don't feel like I'm looked at as a valid supporter. I become an advocate hey, and I'm like- not. Okay. Okay. Right. Those are my people. So it's been... It's been complex. And I feel like um, it was a very painful thing for me. And I've talked to you about that in the past, Javia, of just dealing with like accepting where I'm at and that that's how people are going to view me. And I'm trying to find a way to work on my outward identity as a queer bisexual woman, especially in spaces that are queer. I'm not as concerned about the straight spaces because straight spaces hold all sorts of fun microaggressions and things. And I just deal with them and it's it's fine. But I really do feel like I have been looking from the outside in to the queer community, the bisexual community, and not just with romantic relationships, but with friendships. I feel like I'm just now coming into being able to find friends and a community where I can be queer and I can be bisexual and I don't have to like wear like a costume for people to notice me. They just Mm. accept it as a part of me. Um, And in that same light, until that started happening, I really didn't feel comfortable um, disclosing to my family. I won't say coming out. And that's how I explained to them because I don't feel like that's something I should have to do. But sharing that part of my life has been difficult because with straight people, I feel like I have to do complicated explanations or people invalidate me. And then in the queer community, I feel like I have to validate myself. And I don't want to get into the habit of becoming someone who has to put it on display because that's not, I don't like when people do that. And I don't want to have to do that to feel like I'm a part. So I haven't resolved that. And I haven't figured it out, but I am slowly finding a little community in my area where I feel safe and I feel like people don't, whether my husband is with me or not, and it's a very small community, they they accept me for who I am and I don't feel like I need to outwardly present a certain way. But it's complicated. It's still very painful for me. But I think, I think too, a part of the larger issue or a larger conversation is that socially, you know, kind of like society has to get away from this idea that you have to present a certain way to be a certain way. I should not have to present a certain way to like validate my queerness. Like I am who I am and that just is what it is. Like I am a black queer woman and it doesn't matter what my what my physical presentation is. Like it doesn't matter. Like I'm always that person. So um, I shouldn't have to do these things to kind of like validate that. Where it really, I guess, bothers me is in the in situations where I feel like it's uh, erasure and it's like me and my partner or something like that. And that is that assumption that this could not be my significant other. That's really when it uh, bothers me because I'm like, that's just, it's so ridiculous. It's like that the assumption is that, oh, this person is not, like, there's no way that this could be your significant other. Because like me just moving throughout the world by myself, I I understand that I'm going to be assumed to be straight um, based on my presentation. And, but I'm like, depending on the space that I'm in, my, whether I'm straight or not, 
may or may not be your business. Like if I'm at work, I don't I don't find it necessary for me to move through work with my queerness at the forefront. Well, for one, my blackness is always at the forefront, first and foremost. Like that's just is what it is. I'm a black woman. So as an individual, yeah, it depends on the situation. Like I don't have to navigate every space with Mm -hmm. my queerness at the front. If it's relevant to that space, then I will. I navigate every space with my blackness at the forefront. So that's kind of first layer. And then with my queerness, um, that may or may not be pertinent. But I'm never, I don't ever uh, hide it, I guess. Now, mm-hmm. and some stuff is a safety thing. Like there have been times where if, you know, someone's kind of asking me about a partner, like I will not specifically acknowledge gender or something like that. I'll try to keep it neutral because I don't know. Like I've dealt with um, yeah, like gay bashing before personally. So it's like, I'm very wary of that in terms of like, I don't know everybody like that. So I'll just say, oh, my partner or my spouse or you know, I won't, or if someone says like he or him, I won't correct them. I feel this that that like, has a lot more to do with, with our blackness than, than our, our sexuality in that case. And, and maybe this is just something that I'm sensitive about uh, as a person of color uh, on the gay spectrum. That, Cause I don't think white people deal with this is like, you're saying side by side, you guys do not look even remotely related. You don't look like you would come right. from the same family. You're not even just in, in sort of complexion, but facial structure, your whole deal. You, yep. you look clearly you know, not like. the same, but I think well, I feel because, like uh, I feel like because you are both black women that they're going to they'll be like, well, are there black lesbians? I feel like white people do this to us. It's like I don't think there really are that many, or they're not. They're they're just so not public in general and part of our culture that it's just like, yeah, you guys must be related. Well, um, but I think that would, that we get accused of being related all the time. Well, yeah, no, there's definitely that element of it, but it does largely come from people of color. Um, oh, really? So, because of the spaces, like, I mean, I don't, I agree. I'm not around a whole lot of white people, so there's that. Um, yeah. So, a lot of this is, like, just us in a neighborhood, like, at the grocery store, at, and I mean, and I have talked to, to like, white lesbians who have gotten it, too, like, white lesbian couples who are like, oh, they're friends. So, I think part of it, part of it has, mm. part of it is that, like, part of it, when it's coming from, like, a, a, you know, basically a white person, I do feel like it, part of it is, like, that microaggression, kind of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it largely, in our experience, it has largely come from people of color. It's largely come from black people. So, so I feel that's, like that's uh, like that top down trickle down of systematic racism mixed with religion. Like yeah. we, um, we are the last to accept religion, ourselves. And then well, I think that's part yeah, of it. And I also think part it. of it is definitely patriarchy. Like I think part of it is that Oh, you're two women. So, of course, you're a friend. Like, you know, I think it's kind of that the ratio that comes along with that. Depend- so it depends on who it's coming from. Sometimes I do think it is a, a race thing, like, you know, kind of on that you all look alike type of BS. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes it is definitely like you're both women. So, of course, you're not together like that. Right. Like, I, so that's more so where I think it's come, it comes from more so than um, race because it has been from other black people. I think it's just, oh, well, yeah, of course y'all are like sisters or cousins or whatever. And I think part of it is religion and I think more largely is culture because even in a place that like, you know, out here is supposed to be very liberal, blah, blah, blah. We get it out here all the time. Like, it's not like we get it less out here than we did in Georgia. Right. So yeah, it's, yeah, it kind of crosses that uh, political spectrum too. So I think it is a cultural thing of, oh yeah, you're just, with, I think it's a cultural thing and it's also a thing of like, women are 
allowed to be more like outwardly intimate, outwardly affectionate stuff to each other in their friendships. So that it's like, oh, that can you can be that way with each other and just be friends. Yeah. There's that other thing, too, of where it's like it's OK for you to like it's non-threatening for you to have a relationship with a woman. So you're assumed straight right. and right. then you can have your little girlfriends and you can play or whatever. But but since penetration, you know, mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, we know the real deal, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, that's the thing that frustrates me and, and will actually turn me against even considering a possible partner if they have that point of view. It's like sex mm-hmm. is sex. It doesn't need to have a, a penis to penetrate to make it sex. Right. And But that's so, the whole validation thing. You know, that's yeah. about needing needing masculinity, needing maleness, needing a man to validate something. So it's like, man, if it's not with a man, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's yeah. Like if it's not with a man or it's not in that context, then it's not valid because even like gay men are seen, their relationships are seen as more valid than lesbian women. Mm-hmm. But that's because it's like, oh, well, you know, a woman can be with a woman and, oh, that's just a phase. Oh, that can be dismissed. But it's like, a man, oh, if you're with a man, oh, you really are gay, you know? So yes, it leaves that- no for new on either side. So for men, what if a man is just like, oh, I, you know, I've had this experience. It's like that one experience people can say will define his whole mm-hmm. identity when he could be like, oh, you know what? I tried this, but no, actually, it's not it's really not for me. Right. I am straight. Yeah. And folks are like, oh, no, you've done that. You're not straight. And a woman can be with a woman. And they're like, oh, you know, that's she's just messing around. That's nothing serious. Around, yeah. <laughs> See, that's what bothers me about the bisexual thing. It's one of the areas in which I think men are at a disadvantage as bisexuals is that they you're seen as if basically if you can take a dick, you're gay. And if you're a woman, you you're experimental. But ultimately, you have to end up with a man because the penis is the center, mm-hmm. the center of sexuality. And right. even as a bisexual female, it took me a while to understand that a man could be a bisexual person as well. Because same type of thing, it was that programming in our culture that tells us the penis is so important. So I'm thinking, well, if he's willing to have sex with a man, mm-hmm. why it would he even everything. want? <laughs> yeah, like why would right. I want a, a you know to have sex with a woman? And then here I am, a bisexual person, and this is like teen Charmaine. Like I'm here, I am a bisexual person who wants to have sex with men and women, and I'm perfectly comfortable in that desire or in that um, sexuality, and yet I'm not giving credit. To, to men that are having that same experience. And now as an older, you know, adult, I, I, I see the error of my teenage ways and I, I feel bad that bisexual men are even probably more invisible than than I am mm-hmm. while still dealing with my own invisibility. Uh, there are times when I'm in some spaces that I shout it out a little louder, not because I want to be a show pony, but because I'm, I, I'm wanting it to be normal for people. And there are right. places where I've learned maybe I shouldn't have been more so vocal. You know, a couple of times I was out at work as Polly and bisexual and in those spaces um some of it it was okay and then some of it it was i regretted it only because but then you become be- like that go-to person right. where people want to ask you all the questions right uh, which is that's definitely been my um experience and kind of like navigate and that's why as i've gotten older i've definitely gotten more selective and i feel like i've gotten more i've gotten more uh discernment about like how i navigate different spaces because when i was younger i was very like you know i'm out i'm whatever i'm an open book and um, I can still, you know, communicate with people and kind of have that openness, but it's a time and place for everything. And I became that person, like, which actually now I joke about it and I always put like in my little bios or something, I'll say like, uh, your friendly neighborhood lesbian or your favorite lesbian, <laughs> because I was the go-to lesbian, you know, I was the person that people came to and asked all the questions. And um, 
to a certain extent, I didn't mind, but then some stuff would be really invasive. Some stuff would be, you know, of course, riddled with microaggressions and, Mm -hmm. you know, have all this little underlying stuff or, you know, some stuff would be like, you know, oh, well, you know, this is just, this is all well and fine until, you know, you find the right man and it's Mm going to change your life. Like, okay. Um, I highly, highly, highly doubt that. I mean, I have my exceptions. Okay. But they're still not going to change the game to just make me be like, you know what? I'm so uninterested in women now. Like, that's going to be a no. Yeah. And that's not to say. Not nobody. But most people aren't interrogating straight people this way. Right. Now that you know you're being inappropriate. Like, what are you asking? Asking all these questions. So you don't (laughs) see people going to like a straight person like, yeah, so. So who's your crossover person? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? who's Who's the man in the relationship? How do you two do it? Like, are you kidding me? It's funny because um, so yeah, if someone asked that question nasty. of me and my husband, it would probably be in terms of gender stereotypes, I would be the husband and he would be the wife in terms of gender stereotypes. Oh, well, he is completely masculine and I'm whatever I am, the, the femme <laughs> mid- middle thing that I am like on the out, on, you know, on the outside, just by sitting there talking, we're just a typical straight couple. If you look at us and, you're, and you don't engage, but if you actually get to know us gender role wise, I would be the husband in our relationship. But that's, I mean, I think, too, um, that's why it's really important that we have a more nuanced view. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do um, BRQ, because I want for people to have this broader view of what queerness actually is and how it is. It's really not a binary. It is a spectrum. And we can kind of fall anywhere on that spectrum. I mean, like Jessica said, she's 99% lesbian. And I, me and my best friend, we always joke and say something similar. We used to say we're 95% lesbian. We, all, we used to always talk about our 5%, which was like guys that we thought were attractive or whatever. As my politics have uh, shifted and as I've become more, a lot more radical, my, my, I went from 95% to like 99.9999. But I can still, I can still acknowledge, like me and my wife all the time, we can acknowledge, oh, this guy is attractive. Oh, like this is what it is. Um, and we can, I mean, we'll let's talk about it all the time. Like, um, have you seen Post Bad Bears account? Like, come on now. Uh, we're human. Like, we're going to, you know, be like looking at, at all the pictures and stuff. But there is a spectrum in this room to be accommodating of all those things just because, you know, I can say, oh, I'm a lesbian. So that means that I cannot acknowledge, hey, this guy is attractive. Hey, you know, it's a lot more nuanced than people um, give room for. But I'm like, I'm not going to hold myself to that same binary because I'm going to be my whole, you know, my entire course self. I'm going to be married to my wife. I'm going to do all that. I'm going to be poly, all that kind of stuff. But I'm also going to, you know, acknowledge if I see, if I look at uh, like Trevante Rhodes, who I think is super duper fine, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, I can't acknowledge that he's fine because, you know, I'm a lesbian. Like, what? But that's people's perspective. People's viewpoint is so narrow and so based in a binary that it's like it leaves no room for nuance. Like people... It doesn't leave room for the nuance that, hey, Jessica can say I'm 99 percent lesbian and be married to a man and that still be valid. Like her being married right. to a man does not invalidate her leanings, you know, it creates a ratio, too, because I was surprised as I got more out in the queer community to run into a lot of gay women who I was interested in or even <laughs> dated a woman who was dating other women and she identified as lesbian who didn't want to engage with me because I had engaged with a penis. Not like currently, but at any point in my life, I remember my female partner said somebody wouldn't date her unless she stopped dating me because I was having sex with men. And 
It's like, it's like the (laughs) opposite of the, you know, like putting, making the penis powerful in a totally different way of we can't, we're not valid. We're not real. We don't really like women if we're doing this and we're impure. And that's like, that's that's like like a whole nother thing of taking away people's fluidity because it's like, you can't be bisexual or you're dirty. Like you're dirty if you're bisexual. Yeah. Set aside on the male side, you're dirty on the female side. You're tainted. It also misses. How dare you do that? It also messes things up for people who went through their hiding phase. Like, you know, I mean, especially, I mean, it's probably less common now, but 20 years ago, you didn't just come out. You engaged in heterosexual relationships until you couldn't, you couldn't live with that anymore. And so there are a lot of people, gay people and lesbians that will say, oh yeah, well, back when I used to date women or back when I used to date men. And they qualify by saying, I wasn't there yet. Yeah. So to, I mean, to punish people, people for it. 20 year marriages and all this kind of stuff with, you know, I mean, or folks who have kids and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. from a previous relationship. So it's like, OK, now their orientation is not valid because of it. like it's or you're just fucking everyone and you're having fun and it's right. OK. Right. You don't yeah. have but to like, like you don't have to you shouldn't have to explain yourself. You don't have to valid. I mean, but people will look at it like I mean, even I, I kind of had the reverse situation of. I knew I liked girls. I wasn't sure how I felt about guys. I found guys attractive, but I definitely, like, I knew, I never had any doubt in my mind that I loved women. Like, that was never a doubt. Guys were always like, huh, I don't know, you know. So I went through kind of the reverse where people will say, oh, she went through a phase with, oh, I dated guys. I went through that. I mean, I had a boyfriend and all that kind of stuff. And once I had a boyfriend, folks were like, oh, my God, I thought you were you know, I, you know, just throw me away, throw just, you got to throw the whole woman away because she is, you know, now with a guy, even though my fellow sort women had never changed. Um, right. But apparently that tainted me, you know, at first it was like, oh, you're a gold star. That was that BS. Oh, I hate that. But mm-hmm. it was like, oh, now you've been with a guy. Oh, now you're tainted. And I'm like, I'm not going to be ashamed of my experiences or anything like that. Like, yes, I've been with more than one guy, Does, but that doesn't make me any less queer, or any less lesbian. But that's how people view it. Like, oh, you've gone down a notch. Like, you know, it, it also takes your- love out of the equation. <laughs> like if you're, if you're mm-hmm. holding it against people, like here, here's the thing is that in when I was younger, I was more attracted to women than than men. I happened to fall in love with my male best friend and we've been together 18 years. Right. It didn't stop my attraction to women. It didn't stop my my predominant attraction to women. I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm on the 99 part. I, I'm probably more like a 60, you know, 60, 40, well, something 60, like 40 that. Split. You know, something <laughs> like that. Like I used to think I was kind of 50-50. It, it really depends. But as I got older and I started to realize that like, um, I think Javier, you're the one who put it this way for me, that I'm more heteromantic and homosexual because mm-hmm. I do tend to think of women more sexually and, and men there's very specific categories of men that I that I become very sexually attracted to but mostly I'm really comfortable in my romantic relationship with my with my husband but if you're taking someone out if you're taking away their you know lesbian card revoked or gay card revoked or whatever the fuck just because right. with someone of the opposite gender it's like look my my sexuality is clear my romantic side is not as much like it's probably more more about the person than than the body parts. Mm-hmm. So if I right. happen to be, even if I happen to be fully lesbian, I think like maybe in 
Jessica's case, you're saying you're 99% um, lesbian, but you happen to fall in love with this man, and he he satisfies right. your one percent quota. You you're not interested in other men, <laughs> but but if you identify the way that you do, like you your your heart dominated that that for you. I think it and right, it and it's like that's it to to invalidate that is so ridiculous to me, and and that's honestly what it was with like when I had a boyfriend or whatever I, I didn't set out to let's find a boyfriend I met him we clicked I like I fell in love with him I, and it was just him it wasn't because he was a man it was just him as a person I thought he was a just fucking brilliant he was brilliant it was his mind and so I was just like I didn't care so I wasn't like oh well you know he's really he's really cool but he's a guy so no I was just like he he's cool he happens to be a guy but whatever it kind of comes along with the package that's how i really was like his his maleness kind of came along with the package of that brilliant mind and i'm like i i i was just like i gotta i gotta have him <laughs> you know it was just his my mind was so blown by his, by his um brilliance i was like okay um so yeah I, I i like him and and even you know and i just decided to give it a chance um because i, I prior to that my experiences you know my first love and all the kind of stuff happened women but I was just like, why not? I like him, so why not? Um, and that was interestingly received. But um, but what I knew was like, even in my time with him, I very much wanted to be with a woman. So I was like, okay. And, and that's when I really started to kind of, I didn't know the word poly or anything, but that's when I started to kind of come into the understanding that I was poly because I was like, oh, I'm very much like into him and um and in love with him and stuff, but I still very much wanted to be a woman. And I am very kind of woman identified when it comes to my, like, I have definitely an affinity toward women. Um, and I knew when I thought about even in my childhood, like my life and being a parent and getting married, it was always to a woman. Like I always envisioned my future with a woman. So still, I just, but I felt like a lot of, luckily my friends, my friends were just like, whatever, you're happy, cool. But just everybody else um, on the outside looking in, it was a very interesting um, thing. And so I just think that we have to broaden, like socially, societally, we definitely need to broaden our view and look at it more uh, as a spectrum than a binary. Um, and know, too, that people do fluctuate people and, and that like folks have every right. I mean, at that point in time in my life, I felt like, oh, I'm with a guy. So now I have to identify as bisexual, even though that didn't feel, feel right to me. I didn't. I had a partner who was trans, who transitioned while we were together. And I had always identified as lesbian. And then I felt like, oh, well this person is transitioning. Now I have to like change my identity. And it didn't sit right with me. I never, mm. even when I said, oh, I'm bi, I'm bi, I felt like I was supposed to say that, or I felt like uh, that was better than me saying I was lesbian. But I always felt like I was lesbian. I never, bisexual never fit me for my attraction. My attraction has always leaned extremely heavily <laughs> toward women, but I just felt like that's what I had to say. But as, I, as I've as i gotten older and everything, I'm like, okay, I understand there's more nuance and we just need that understanding to happen on a societal level that you can be nuanced, you can be bisexual and be heteroromantic and homosexual. You can be bisexual and be married to a man and still be predominantly attracted to women. Like it's there's no cookie cutter way for it to look. You people have to let people identify their labels for themselves. I think we're so caught up in these definitions that we want people to fit into this small box if they say they're something. And if you, if someone tells you they're mixed, queer, poly, gay, you have to ask them what that means to them. Like and right. people like you were right. saying, people change and it's not fair to box someone in and make them stagnant like let people be who they right. are and ask them don't tell them but that's the thing though ask them because we don't get to tell somebody who they are and i think that's such a big part is like everybody else trying to tell trying to tell us who and especially we have to keep in mind i mean we are black women so 
there are a lot of things that um, society tries to place on us and tries to tell us we should be. So that's part of it, too. It's just like, you know, folks trying to tell us who we are. And I'm like, well, no one can define that but us. Only I can define who I am and and all the things that that encompasses. So we have to definitely like leave room for people to do that. And it would make life a lot easier if people just like shut up and let people tell them who they are instead of trying to dictate that. Or even feeling that they have the right to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that entitlement, though, because it's exactly if you're a business like it's not reality. relevant to you if you're not trying to date me or have sex with me, just to be honest. Exactly. Why do you and I mean, that? people feel so entitled to know things about you. Like, it's really, unless, you know, unless Charmaine decides to disclose X, Y, Z, that's not my bit. Like, what does that have to do with me? Nothing. Like, she can live her black ass life and do what she want to do. Amen. And, you know what I'm and like, and it has no bearing, but people are so entitled and so wrapped up in like, it's like they, they act as if your, your decisions personally impact them. And I'm like, live your own damn life. You have your own life to live. Why does it matter if Justice marries a man and she's more attracted to women? Like, what does that, what, what does that have to do with your life? How is that impacting you in any way? Let her live her damn life. So that's, I mean, as I, and I too, but I think too, like with the visibility thing, like when I was younger, um, because of that erasure, like I felt more of a responsibility to be visible and more of a responsibility to be out and like um, even more flamboyant. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, look, I'm just out here trying to live my life and I'm going to be my, you know, just be my authentic self. And I don't have to like prove myself to anybody. I don't have to validate it. I don't have to announce it. I'm just going to move through the world as myself. And whatever parts of me are relevant to my engagement with you, that's what you'll get. And you may, so it may or may not include all the things. It usually won't because that's not relevant to how we engage with people on a regular basis. It's only relevant to like people who are closer to us or just depending on our relationship with people. But a coworker or something, you don't need to know all the things about me. What the hell that got to do with us doing our job? <laughs> Nothing. Or the lady sitting next to you on a plane or <laughs> walking up uh, to the store. All of your business. So, okay. So we're... Really, the point, and it's something, this whole idea of like visibility and everything is something I, I do want to circle back to later on down the line, but it's something that was very important to me to have a conversation about because it is, um, I think it is so important. I think that there's so much erasure and black women in particular, I feel like we, we experience erasure on so many different levels. And so I, I really think it's important for folks to get an understanding of that and how that occurs specifically with if you're black and queer and femme or if you're black and queer and femme and married to a man and, and all those kind of things, like how that really manifests, you know, and your your stories, your experiences and stuff need to be shared. So that's why I really wanted to be able to have that conversation with both of you. But before we wrap up, because I know that we we kind of had our goal in mind in terms of time frame. And I, and I understand, too, that a lot of times these are very loaded conversations, so they will, you know, run a little long. But was there anything that either of you wanted to add in terms of just this idea of visibility, queerness, blackness as we're wrapping up? I guess I just want to say from my own experience and then as a therapist hearing people's stories that for anyone listening who's in whatever part of their journey, there's no right way to do things. There's no way you have to be just like figure it out for yourself and don't let people tell you who you who you are. There's no right way to be queer or not queer. You can be gay and not queer. I feel like it took me a long time to find a community of people that supported me. And even if you don't have that community, just stand stand in who you are and 
be okay with that. Um, there's so many labels out there. And I think it's important for people to know whether they're starting out and they're young or they're older. I know a lot of people who are older who are just now coming into themselves because they were stumbling through all the things we've discussed just to not seek out answers and other people's labels. Just look at who you are and find what fits. Start from the inside out. That's really all I think I would add. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm no, I'm not perfect myself. <laughs> yeah, that I, I second that. It's pretty much the it, it take your time to figure out what your identity is and and understand that you're going to change a lot throughout your lifetime and to not be afraid of it and not to feel that you have to justify it to anybody else beyond your partners. I think there's certain there's certain amount of uh, clarity that you need to have when you're entering into certain relationships to make sure that you understand kind of where you're at so that you can communicate it properly and and have a sort of peaceful relationship but not allowing other people to label you and and I think going back to what you said Jessica the finding a community even if that community is one person someone that you can kind of work through your identity questions with is helpful that gateway person can make a difference to keep you from feeling isolated I think a lot of our problems do stem from keeping being isolated and not being comfortable talking about it to anybody but if you can find that person even if it's an online community thing or whatever I mean that's how Javi and I met is through an online community when I was trying to discover my my poly identity getting that opened up a lot of doors to what I I now think of as my identity that I didn't even have two years ago so try to be comfortable in your skin as much as possible and when you're not comfortable that's okay work through it yeah you have time you don't you're you're not on any kind of you know clock that you have to meet so right right I I think one of the I I don't even remember where I got this from but I think I was watching something or reading something and um, it's something I've really adopted as a mantra that you know we have an entire lifetime (laughs) to get this right you don't have to get it right today or tomorrow or anything like that, but we have time to figure it out. So of course, no one gets to, no one gets to determine who you are, but you, because you are the the authority. I always say you are the authority of your own identity. Nobody else is the authority on you, but you. So, um, and whatever you put out there and whatever you assert as your identity, that should just be accepted. But as my mentor says, it's not now or never, it's now, you know, all or nothing. So that is a process and you can go through that process as long as it takes. And I do think it's constantly evolving and growing. Um, I know 30 year old Javia is not the same as 20 year old Javia. I'm just not, I'm grateful for that. I don't want to be the same, but my my identities and all those kind of things have evolved and have expanded as I as I grow more and learn more. So I think that we all, you know, that's just all a part of our journey in life is to uh, be able to kind of go through the world and figure out what fits for us, what doesn't fit, what that means for us. Um, and we really get to cultivate this very unique, personal, individual, customized definition of ourselves that no one else can can write for us. You know, that's totally up to us. And so I think that's very empowering to be able to do that. I think that's just a part of our kind of purpose in the grand scheme of things is we get to figure it out for ourselves. No one else can tell us. Black Radical Queer is a main hustle media podcast hosted by Javi and Nicole and produced and edited by Charmaine Johnson. Music is by Young Carts. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Black Rat Queer. That's B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. And you can also listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to stay connected to us in our discussion group. It's called the BRQ Discussion Group on Facebook, where we will continue the conversations that we start in the podcast.
Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.